Hello, and welcome to the Frontier Strategy Group podcast series. FSG is the leading information and advisory services provider for emerging market executives. We partner with business leaders at over 200 multinationals by providing them with proprietary research, analytical tools, and data that help power their emerging market business strategies. The focus of today's podcast is a discussion of FSG's newly released flagship report, 2016 Events to Watch. My name is Richard Leggett, and I'm the CEO of Frontier Strategy Group, and I'm joined today in studio by Lauren Goodwin the leader of FSG's global economics practice and the author of Events to Watch. As a reminder, this research and all of our content is available via our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com or via your FSG iPad application. Lauren, welcome back. Thank you, Rich. This is the third year that we've written Events to Watch in order to help our clients identify key disruptors that should be incorporated into their scenario planning for the coming year. And our experience is that the clients that have demonstrated the most resilient performance embed scenario and contingency plans directly into their strategic planning process. So before we dive into these sets of disruptors in the 2016 Events to Watch, I thought it might be good to just take a, a retrospective quickly and take a look back at 2015. So let me ask the first question, which is how many events did we highlight in 2015 and which ones did we get right? We highlighted 10 events in 2015, not so much because it's a nice round number, but because that's what we saw as being both likely enough and having a big big impact enough on our clients to be worth planning for and things our clients could plan for. Five of those have become our base case. So just really quick overview. The two probably most profound were that we anticipated an energy price collapse, which we've seen. Energy prices have fallen by 50%. Huge impact on global economics and on our clients' businesses. Very much a part of our base case. Uh, similarly, extreme currency volatility, which was our, our main event last year, has has absolutely been the case as a result of the dollar strength we've seen in emerging markets. And then, of course, there are a couple more market-specific ones. We anticipated that reform progress would slow in India and and that Brazil and Venezuela would see trouble last year, which which were the case. For ones that we didn't quote unquote get right or that didn't play out, are they still in process or were they just off base? None of these were really off base, to be honest with you. We saw some of the events that we looked at last year, we saw very strong signposts of, and they've become either adjusted to more accurately encompass the risk that we're seeing in 2016 or are becoming worse. So for example, one of our main events, the Chinese financial crisis, there's a continued risk there. We did see some signposts with the stock market crashing in the summer, some of the financial market volatility we've seen as a result of of poor economic data out of China. Certainly not something that we would call off base. We, it just didn't happen to the extent that would have been a downside risk. Similarly, the Eurozone austerity fatigue event, with what we saw happen in Greece over the summer, it'd be hard to say that we didn't see that event take place place. But the events that we're describing are are bigger than that. In this report, the point is not to be alarmist or to point out the most extreme risks, but the ones that are really impactful to business that businesses can plan for. So we don't want to get them right as much as help our clients plan for them. Of course. The production of events to watch follows a very structured methodology, and I thought it's worth taking two seconds to talk about the approach before we talk about 2016 and the events that are on uh, the list this year. Walk us through the approach. Sure. We take a lot of of measures within our research team to identify these events. Again, to think about the things that from a head of international perspective, what should you be planning for? And so what we do is every research analyst all the time is thinking about their base case scenario for a country. They're making their forecast. They're putting out in the marketplace to our clients what their view is. 
But they're also thinking about what could go wrong, and that's downsides, but also upsides, what could go right, um, what could change the nature of business in these countries. And so when we sit down together to write this report, we look at what are those things that will impact business in your country, your region, or what are the global disruptors that you think could impact what's going on in your country. And then we use a, a filtering process looking at the likelihood of those events. Are they even possible? The impact, will they be important for business? Will they change the way that our clients are thinking about things in that area and the velocity how fast will it happen this is a 2016 centric report so it's not something that will unfold over five years but something that would unfold next year and based on that filter we really do end up coming down with a a pretty short number of events that we think are really worth planning for this year's report features uh, 11 events and six of the 11 when you look at them seem like they're very focused on specific outcomes from a slowing global growth environment And so I'll start there. Is slowing growth really half of the risk that we're expecting? Is that the big headline for emerging markets in the coming year? I wish it weren't the case, but it is. As we look to 2016, we've already had a year of slowing growth in emerging markets. 2015 was already by February the year to forget. Plans were disrupted as energy prices fell, currencies depreciated, and our clients were really worried about hitting targets. And in fact, a lot of people said, let's get through the year as we can and, and move on in 2016. Governments in emerging markets have been doing the same thing. Their budgets have been disrupted by depreciating currencies. Their reserves are dwindling. They're bringing in less revenue because energy and other commodities prices are falling. And so you're looking at a very similar business planning problem, as a matter of fact. And and so governments have kept to their budgets this year. They already made a plan. They got through the year. But now they can't wait and see anymore. And so when we look at, at 2016, the likelihood that something changes Changes, not necessarily in a malicious way, but governments have to make difficult decisions when they're prioritizing their resources the same as, as any business would. So let's dive into then this first batch and, and, and think of them as different manifestations of this of this you know, let's call it quote unquote disruptive government actions. And I, I don't think we'll have time to cover all six of them, but I thought we could pick a couple and focus first on the event, maybe describe it briefly. Talk about the likelihood to the extent you can handicap the likelihood and then the impact on the business environment that our clients will face. And then finally, actions, uh, if there are any preemptive actions clients should take. Uh, and so we'll kind of uh, cycle through a couple of these. I thought given the tragic events that occurred in Paris recently that we should start with the Shenzhen border disruption as the first first one of these events. Sure, yes. What happened in Paris on Friday of, of last week, which is in mid-November 2015, was a manifestation of something we've anticipated in the region for a long time. Now, the events themselves, we think, will have relatively minimal economic impacts, but what they are a signpost of is a much bigger disruption in Europe. So for the past couple of years, we've seen a huge wave of refugees and economic migrants into Europe that's intensified lately. And countries in the region are struggling with the amount of people, but also had already long been struggling with this far right, um, far left in some cases, nationalism and anti-immigrant sentiment. And so what we're worried about is that events like these would precipitate the closing of borders in Europe. And most of the European Union with the exception of the UK, have limited to no borders at all for people and for goods. So for our clients, that means you can take a truck from Germany to France without really any any disruption there. What we've seen recently because of the, the migrant crisis and then intensified lately because of what's going on in Paris is border controls going back up. 
And it's not just that that is more expensive. It is a transaction cost, and that's important. But it's also that it's uncertain. It's the not being able to really see, will this get there in three hours or 13 hours because the truck's going to have to wait at the border. And that's what's really disruptive for clients. They, they're used to borders, um, but this increasing transaction cost would really be a problem. So the event itself is the worst case manifestation of that, which is that we actually have a disintegration of this agreement in that it's not just France who's temporarily shutting down their borders, but everybody against each other, which would be very disruptive for business. It's low likelihood that such a formal agreement would disintegrate. We have it at about a 15% likelihood, but obviously very quick to disrupt business in Europe. And as a result, what what actions should clients take? Clearly, it impacts supply chains and, and getting goods to market. It impacts sourcing and those types of things and, and probably some additional costs. Yes, um, it's considering ahead of time those additional costs and communicating very clearly to your salespeople or distributors, who's, who's ever making those adjustments, what that environment would look like so that they can act when there there is a change. But it's also communicating to customers. So understanding that the shipment from Germany to Austria isn't going to be able to make it by the end of the day if you order it in the morning. Uh, there's going to be a little bit slower time and communicating timelines that encompass that uncertainty rather than it'll either be 3 p.m. or 5 a.m. the next day. I'm going to stay in Europe for a second because another event that's on here is the Eurozone Austerity Backlash. Uh, and we had this on the list last year as well. We were both in London meeting with clients several weeks ago, and it felt to me like a number of clients are feeling a bit more bullish about the Eurozone. It feels like Eurozone economic indicators have stabilized, if not showing a little bit better than expected growth. So how does th- this event dovetail with that view? The growth situation in Europe is one where we're seeing a little bit better growth than we've seen before, but we're still talking about 1.5% GDP growth on average as opposed to 1.2% GDP growth. So growth is still very, very low, which gets to what we were talking about at the top of the conversation, that low growth for a long time is problematic. And the reason that's problematic in Europe is that unemployment in a lot of these countries is still rising. It's not going down. Um, France is one of those countries, for example, that we really would have expected to see recovering by now. And so as, as we look to the next year, uh, Greece is a perfect signpost of, of this type of event. For example, um, you have this high unemployment. You don't have the government spending to support the economy. You don't see a lot of growth. Even with the exports environment, we're not seeing businesses really feel comfortable planning for growth. Um, they're still really uncertain. And, and what you get is this political movement that we've seen all throughout Europe, not just in Greece, where these extremist parties are gaining a lot of traction. Uh, since we were talking about France, the far right in France is the most popular political party. And, and so what that could mean is a lot of uncertainty around that political environment that increases borrowing costs. Greece, again, perfect example of, of what that could look like in terms of capital controls, pushing out integration could be really disruptive. Let me move to Asia for a second. And you have an event here, and it's, it's one of the highest likelihood events. China rallies around the flag. There's a lot of concern, obviously, about China and the China slowdown. But talk to me what this specific event is about. Sure. Of course, we're worried about China's slowdown. But perhaps with more nuance, as China slows, the government has been trying to shift the economy from one of investment in real estate and infrastructure and to one of consumption. And that's resulted in a little bit of stuttering, again, like we saw with the financial markets movement in the middle of 2015. But what we're worried about really in terms of this event is that that slowing growth will result in more doubts in the government, things that would prompt the government to act a little bit more aggressively on some rules that are already in place as pertain to foreign companies, things like 
making it necessary to transfer your intellectual property, um, requirements that you produce in China for Chinese consumers. These are things that are already there, but they're not necessarily enforced. And so a turning of the, the dial there, an increase in that enforcement, as well as a, an encouragement of the government to ask its people to buy Chinese products, we think could be very disruptive because China is still just such a big market for our clients. And then uh, another one I want to highlight, and it's a fairly high likelihood event you mentioned if we move to the Middle East, is a wave of subsidy cuts across the Middle East and North Africa region. Talk about this event and its implications, given that I think a lot of our clients view the Middle East as a strong pocket of growth. This event is a a classic case of you have to make tough decisions with your money. A lot of the economies in the Middle East are energy exporters, whether it's oil or gas, and they also support consumption within the economy very heavily. Usually it's for things like cooking oil and electricity, but that means that's for consumers as well as businesses in the region. And we fully expect that some of these subsidies, as a result of oil and and gas prices being lower, we expect some of those subsidies to come offline. The good isn't as expensive anymore. The government doesn't need to support it. The policy was untenable. Now is the right time. But what we're worried about is if one country, a big country like Saudi Arabia, for example, decided to pull a lot of subsidies offline at once, other countries would probably follow. And that would be very disruptive for our our clients' cost assumptions, as well as for the cost assumptions of their customers where consumer goods or durables companies are concerned. There's just less money to be spent on their products in that type of environment. So it's something that we think clients should be planning for anyway as a base case in the in the lesser sense, but uh, thinking about what, what it would look like if a lot of that happened at once. I want to spend time on the one event when, when you open up the report and you see the events to watch kind of mapped graphically, the one event that is clearly the biggest and presents the biggest impact. And uh, it, again, it's tied to China. It's a property market collapse in China. Now, we uh, in prior uh, events to watch talked a lot about the financial risks in China. And we saw some of those cracks, as you pointed out, with the stock market and then the subsequent currency devaluation this year in China. But talk about this event specifically and see if you can tie it together for us. China's financial market crisis, what we um, what we talked about last year, is certainly threatening. But what we saw, like you said, with the financial market stuttering in the middle of the year, is that the government was able to exert a lot of control over the situation and perhaps too much control. A lot of those risks have been pushed into the property market. And you've seen this movie before, right, where uh, consumers have about 60% of their wealth invested in their re- in residential real estate in their homes. Banks have a lot of collateral tied up in Chinese real estate. And so the, the government's aware that property market prices are too high and it's doing its best to bring them down slowly. But in the event that that is not possible, we have seen what happens in a big country when real estate prices uh, bubble bursts. And that's what we're worried about with China. And what's the likelihood impact and, and what actions, if any, should clients be taking as a result of this? It's about a 25 to 30% likelihood, which is high for how very important this this would be. It would be not only uh, detrimental to the Chinese economic experiment in, in the next couple of years, but it would impact very quickly other emerging markets. That's um, its direct trading partners, um, and there are a lot of them, but also any any country that exports commodities, energy, copper, whatever it is that Chinese companies demand so much. Hang on one sec. Shameless plug for our China Sensitivity Index, uh, which is available on our uh, FrontierView dashboards product as a data indicator, because it, it does highlight those countries that are most sensitive to Chinese slowdown. Yeah, I was going to say, we have thought a lot about this, but, but precisely because it's so important. And so for, for clients, they should absolutely be planning for what this 
this would mean for their customer. Um, but what we really encourage as well is that you're not just thinking about China, but you're thinking about your countries in sub-Saharan Africa, your countries in Latin America, which a lot of our, our clients have missed and, and we think would be really important in this scenario. Let me uh, ask a, a, a question. Is there any good news uh, in this report? It's, uh, it's not looking like a particularly fun year, but there is still some opportunity. One of the events that we pulled offline, for example, with the Iran market opening, we do see some new market opportunities out there. Um, one of the events that made the report this year actually has to do with Cuba and its monetary unification. We do see in the long term Cuba coming online as, a, as an opportunity for our clients. But even next year, one of the things that the Cuban government could do really right is essentially to depreciate their official exchange rate. Right now, um, state owned companies are able to earn a higher valued interest rate and pay a lower one. And the unification, so to speak, of those interest rates would immediately create more purchasing power for households and businesses, but also um, allow the economy to allocate resources more efficiently. And you see that happening this year. It's, um, it's one of our lower likelihood events at about 15 to 20% likelihood, but it's possible. Okay. In the past two years, we've had events uh, on the list that aren't on the list this year, energy price collapse and extreme currency volatility. These were major global drivers and, and disruptors. And you mentioned it early, but I think it, it, it bears mentioning again why they're not listed discreetly on this events to watch for 2016 at this stage. The fact of the matter is for energy prices and, and currency that they're just very much a part of our base case. These are things that we, th- we think that energy prices will stay low for the next several years. We think that the dollar will be strong relative to a lot of... Just to put numbers on it, stay low, oil price stay... 50 to $55, so re- really low um, compared to the last decade or so. And, and currencies, the dollar is, is very strong, not historically strong, but in terms of translation losses for multinationals, it has been a historic amount of, of trouble essentially with the dollar. And what do we expect uh, from that perspective in the coming year? We still expect more devaluation? Yes, we expect another 8 to 15% on average depreciation of emerging markets currencies. But keep in mind, that's going to be 25% for some and not very much for others. And, and that currency is another area where we help our clients a lot in thinking about where that trouble might be the most acute. But the, these are events that we see as shaping the global economic environment. It's why we are suggesting that the next year will be another slowdown year. These things are really hard to bounce back from, but they're they're well within our base case. I'll say the one uh, area that we've pushed the currency story even further is that a lot of our clients have been grateful for their countries like Saudi Arabia, for example, where the currency is t- pegged to the dollar. And what we've seen is that just because a currency is pegged to the dollar doesn't mean that they're not feeling the same pressures on reserves, the same struggles. It's just expensive and sort of under the radar. And so that's an, another event that we bring up. Some of the smaller country, countries like Kazakhstan, Azerbaijan have already seen this tension, um, but we could see some bigger countries like Ecuador de-dollarize and, and something that would impact clients immediately. Okay. That's uh, that's another event that uh, you, you cover in the report that I encourage everybody to read. I want to be sensitive to time, so I, I think I'll stop here. But Lauren, thank you so much for the insightful discussion. I do encourage all of our listeners to read this report. And more importantly, as a reminder, if you're an FSG client, you can speak to Lauren or any member of the FSG research team at any time by scheduling time directly or via your FSG client relationship director. You can also access all of our research all of our leading indicator data, and all FSG content on our portal at portal.frontierstrategygroup.com. This concludes our podcast. Until next time, we wish you great outperformance across your emerging market portfolio. 